0: Often churches are set up by the will of human beings, by the way humans think, and ministers call themselves by names which has nothing to do with an anointing from God, from Jesus, as is given from heaven. After Jesus arose, after the crucifixion and the resurrection into heaven, Jesus set up the New Testament church. He set up the church from heaven, and he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 11 and 12. Paul is an example of one of these New Testament ministers. Paul was not the last apostle, as many churches teach. Paul was persecuting the church when the last apostle was chosen on earth before the establishment of the New Testament church. They had to replace Judas. In Acts chapter 1, Peter said the replacement for Judas must be someone who has been with us and walked with us from the time Jesus walked on the earth up through the time Jesus was taken into heaven. The New Testament church was not actually established until after the crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus chose 12 apostles to be disciples of his. But the New Testament church was established after Jesus shed his blood to save the individuals and present them in the way of the New Testament. Paul was persecuting the Christians at the time the 12th apostle was chosen. It was Matthias. They had two men that fit the qualifications set forth by Peter. They had two men. And they drew lots, and Matthias was named apostle to replace Judas. But that wasn't the New Testament church. From heaven, the New Testament church was established by Jesus the ministry offices to work in the New Testament church were given after Jesus rose into heaven. Ephesians chapter 4. After he arose, he gave gift to the church. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry for the edification of the body of Christ. We have several examples of men in the New Testament church in the book of Acts as they did the work of God. We can see many examples of the apostles. We can see many examples of the New Testament prophets. One example being Agabus who predicted that there would be great dearth come upon the land And as a result of his prediction, the church in Acts chapter 12 decided to take an offering and send it to the poor Christians who lived in Jerusalem. That's one work of a prophet, a New Testament prophet. Another work of the New Testament prophet is to bring correction and the Old Testament prophet. It's filled with prophets bringing corrections to the churches. Prophets are never sent to the world. They're sent to the churches. You can read that in Ezekiel chapter 3. They are sent to the churches to bring the word of God to the churches. Evangelists. It's my understanding that primarily evangelists Speak to the unsaved, to those who haven't been born again, that they speak a message of salvation through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. What about a pastor and teacher? They speak to the church, they're set there to feed the saved, the church although many who attend the church are not saved. Many who join the church are not saved. Many do not have the Spirit of God who join the church. But basically, a pastor and a teacher teach Scripture to show the church the godly way to live on this present earth. God has taught me a great deal about apostles and prophets. And I know far more about them than I do about evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But I find it very interesting that we don't have any examples of human beings as pastors in the New Testament church. Though they were definitely given to the New Testament church, But we do have examples in the Old Testament of God being very unhappy with the pastors. Also, God was very unhappy with the prophets, some of the prophets, for they didn't speak the word of God. They spoke words that the people wanted to hear. And we have several examples in the Old Testament concerning both pastors and teachers. If we look at some of those scriptures, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8. The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew not me, saith God. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. So there were many evil prophets in the Old Testament. There were also many pastors that did not properly feed the people, the sheep. In the book of John, chapter 21, I believe it is, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Let's look at that passage of Scripture. Verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. After Jesus was risen from the dead, he was on this earth for 40 days, showing himself to various people. He showed himself to over 500 people before he was taken into heaven. So this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me More than these? And Peter said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my lambs. Jesus saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus saith unto Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. The main thing that apostles, prophets, pastors and teachers do is feed the children of God. Evangelists, I believe, go to the world and preach basic salvation through Jesus. Once they're saved, where do they go? Well, they go to church. And the pastors are responsible for teaching godly ways and godly doctrines to the New Testament church. But rarely do we find a pastor who does that. And I say rarely because they do things to approve people, they've stopped teaching the doctrines on divorce and remarriage. They now teach that it's okay for a man to marry a divorced woman. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus said, Whosoever marrieth her that is divorced, committeth adultery. That's not what you hear today, is it? Don't you see people at church all the time, see them performing marriage ceremonies between men and divorced women? At one time, they preached this at churches. I know back in the 40s and 50s, there were churches that preached that a man, if he married a divorced woman, he commits adultery. I know they did it. My very best friend, after I was born again, was a woman who was raised Baptist. She was a brilliant concert pianist and won a Fulbright scholarship to Italy where she met a young Catholic man and she became Catholic as a result and married him. They came to the United States and he left her and they divorced. She didn't tell anyone at church that she was a divorced woman. There was a man at the church uh, and he had lost his wife due to cancer she died he had three small children by this first wife he wanted to remarry so he was looking for a woman at church that he could marry he saw two women he was interested in dating one was Donna now she had told no one at church that she was divorced Hal decided to date Donna. He fell in love with her, and they married. Before they married, she told him she had been divorced. But they married anyway. Later, I asked Hal, Would you have dated Donna if you had known she was divorced? And he thought about it. And he said, No, I don't think I would have. Because they used to teach in the churches the scriptures on the divorce remarriage. If a man marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery. This is what the Bible teaches in the New Testament. They used to teach that. Now, why did they stop? Well, it offended people. There were no doubt people in the congregation who had married divorced women. It was not a popular doctrine, so they just quit talking about it. The churches fell away from doctrine, and another doctrine was set up that says, God forgives you and wants you to be happy, so of course you can marry a divorced woman. We had a woman in our church group who was divorced and wanted to remarry She was not born again at that time, though she had been Baptist. She and the man she wanted to marry went to a pastor to see if they could marry. The pastor said, well, my sister is divorced and remarried. I don't see anything wrong with it. Not long ago, I heard this current pope say on television, I don't see anything wrong with being a homosexual. Neither of these men read the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, the New Testament Bible, you will see the situation concerning divorce, remarriage, and homosexuals and lesbians. But they didn't, neither one of them know the Bible neither the Pope nor many of the pastors in the Protestant churches well this woman this pastor told her that she could remarry there was nothing wrong with it she married uh, Edward later she was born again and began to read the New Testament Bible and she saw that when she married Edward As a divorced woman, she committed adultery and caused him to commit adultery. And she was furious with this pastor. But a lot of her anger vanished when the Holy Spirit revealed something to me. And I said to this angry woman who was angry with the pastor, I said, well... Before you went to the pastor to see if you could remarry, weren't you and Edward already having sex? She was stone cold, frozen, and shocked. And she said, yes. Well, she then saw it was all a moot question because she was already committing fornication. This is not to approve remarriage which is adultery when she when a divorced woman remarries it's not to approve adultery but it's simply to say she was already committing fornication what right did she even have to go to a pastor to ask him if she could remarry But if you really want to know the truth. You don't go to a pastor. You don't go to a minister. You read the Bible. And you pray. And ask God. To show you the truth. Because many of the pastors today. Have changed from the Bible. And are preaching. Another doctrine. They're basically preaching. Another Jesus. When they change the word of God. And this is. Antichrist in the churches today. So the only thing we can do is to read the New Testament Bible and pray, and God will show us when something is wrong in the church. In reading the Old Testament, we read about priests, but there are no priests in the New Testament. In the New Testament church, Jesus from heaven gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. In Jeremiah chapter two, verse eight, we read, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? They weren't seeking God. And they that handled the law knew me not, said God. Well, basically the ones who handle The doctrines of Christ today are the apostles. They are the ones who try to keep the churches following the doctrines of Christ, who try to keep them following the New Testament laws of God. The prophets, he said, prophesied by Baal. They told the people what they wanted to hear. I'm called as an apostle prophet. And God told me one time in 1982, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. He then told me several big-time radio TV ministers who were committing sins. I knew I had to get the messages to those men when I couldn't get the messages to those men because there wasn't any way to reach them. God showed me a scripture to show me what to do. Paul spoke directly to the people and warned them about Alexander the coppersmith. I saw by that it was a proper thing for me to get on my radio broadcasts, which were going from coast to coast, and warn the churches about the sins being committed in the ministries of Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and some other preachers when I could not get the messages directly to them. By speaking it on radio, those preachers got the message. Later, it was revealed to all people by secular reporting on things like ABC Primetime Live the sins being committed by these ministers it was public knowledge to all but in 1982 when God was sending me to these ministers it was not public knowledge it was only later about 1988-89 that it became public knowledge today you can read about each one of them in Wikipedia which reports what they were doing. So prophets are sent to the church to correct the church, to bring correction to the church. There was a man at the church I was attending in the early 80s. He was a divorced man. And he, some, one of the church women said, looks like Joan Boney is the one you'd want to date. And he said, oh, no, I'd be afraid she'd see me do something wrong. Well, he he inwardly knew I was a prophet. That's what prophets do. They're sent to the church to correct the church. Well, I ended up telling him, seeing he was doing something wrong. He was committing fornication. And he admitted it. He knew. He knew inwardly. He knew me and the godliness that I would bring and he did not want that in his life though he was our bible teacher at church it's really shocking there's so much sin in the churches that is not they're not held accountable by the pastors and they're not held accountable by the elders and they're not held accountable by the people instead they're taught forgive them and pray for them and counsel them The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 tells us what to do with them. Verse 11 But now I have written unto you, says Paul, not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. Verse 13, Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. I went to this man who was committing fornication. And when he admitted he was committing a for- fornication, I said to him, Oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can have no more to do with you. And he said to me, that's right, he didn't care. So I could no longer go to his Bible class. I could no longer keep company with him and be friends with him. I could no longer be around him. Later, I heard that his flesh was eaten up, and he even said fornication is no longer a problem. The Apostle Paul said also what to do in 1 Corinthians 5 to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Usually today about all we can do when we find out that a brother in Christ has been committing fornication and other sins the only thing we can do is withdraw from that person. We do not usually have the power to put them out of the church. We just simply have to leave the place where they are. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, God says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. In Jeremiah 10:21 God said, for the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. Jeremiah 12:10 God says, "Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion under foot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness." Jeremiah twenty-two twenty-two. The wind shall eat up all thy pastures, and thy lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then thou shalt be ashamed and confounded for all thy wickedness. Jeremiah 23.1 God says woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture saith the Lord. Jeremiah 23.2 Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel Against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not visited them. Now the word visit in the Bible basically means judge them. These pastors were supposed to keep an eye on them to see if they needed anything to help them. Also, they were to keep an eye on them so if they were doing any sins, they could bring godly corrections and turn them back to God. But they didn't do that. They did not correct them, they did not watch over them and judge them to see if they needed anything. In James chapter 1, it says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to visit the widows and orphans in their affliction. That means judge them. You don't just go and see them. Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do for you? In their affliction. So that's what that word visit means when you see it in the Bible. In the Old Testament, before they had kings, they had judges. God set up judges, and the people came to the judges to see what they were supposed to do, to let the judges judge them. One of the judges was a woman, Deborah. She was a prophetess, the wife of Laphodoth. She judged Israel at that time. Judges chapter 4, verse 4. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up for her to judgment. They presented the situation to Deborah, who was a judge. Apostles today are pretty much in that same situation of judging in the sense that The divorced person comes and says, can I remarry? And the apostles examines a case and shows scripture to that divorced person. The women, divorced women, will come and say, can I remarry? And the apostles are the ones who really put that scripture together and have that anointing from God to deal with the situation. And I see apostles very much like those Old Testament judges. There's even a scripture that God said at the end times he would set up judges again, as he had at the beginning. The people didn't want a judge. They wanted a king like the other nations had. And God warned them what would happen to them if they had a king. But they wanted a king anyway. And God told Samuel the prophet, he said, it's not you they rejected, they rejected me, that I would not rule over them. So I can see the strong parallel between the Old Testament judges and the work they did and the work apostles do today. Acts chapter 15 is one strong example of the work of apostles where they came to gather at Jerusalem to decide what should be done in the case of the Gentiles. Should they be circumcised? Well, their ruling was, no, they did not have to be circumcised. Today, as apostles, we have the New Testament Bible. They did not have the New Testament Bible in the early church. We have the New Testament Bible to go by, so we can judge strongly the situation and advise the person By the doctrines of the New Testament Bible. By the Holy Spirit. But many of the churches have eliminated apostles and prophets from the church. But God has not eliminated apostles and prophets. We still work. We still do the work to which we're appointed. It's just that we do it in places like I'm doing this on podcast, on our blog, person to person through emails. I work constantly in these offices, seven days a week. So even though the churches have tried to eliminate apostles and prophets, we're still here. I've always thought Eliminating of the apostles and prophets would be like eliminating the judges in the natural courts of man and the policemen. For apostles are very much like judges in a court of law. We deal with Bible through the Holy Spirit and make rulings. Prophets are very much like policemen. If you're speeding down the highway, the last thing you want to see are those flashing red and blue lights in that back window. You don't want to see that policeman behind you, for he is going to bring you strong correction. A prophet will do that too. That's what prophets do. God taught me through the Old Testament and then the New Testament. To show me the work of a prophet. I can assure you. Apostles and prophets are still working. In the church today. It's just that. The churches usually don't let them work. In the church building. So God devises other ways. For us to do the work. He put me on radio. Back in 1980 where I could do the work of apostle and prophet, because they certainly weren't going to let me do it in the church building. Although the church I attended at the time, Word of Faith, professed to believe there were apostles and prophets. It's just that nobody knew who the apostles were. There was one woman in our church group who was said to be a prophet. But that's the only person that I knew at Word of Faith, at that congregation, that was said to be a prophet. When God told me that I was set in the church as an apostle, I went to our Bible teacher and I said, I didn't tell him that anybody, I didn't tell anybody at that church group that I was to be an apostle or prophet. But what happened was, I had been riding along the road driving along the road, and I heard this, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I said, Apostle? What's an apostle? I had no idea. I knew it was in the Bible, but I didn't know what they did. So I went to our Bible teacher at Word of Faith, and I said, "Uh, Who are the apostles here at church? And he said, Well, he didn't know. Even though they professed to believe there were apostles in the church, they didn't know any. (coughs) Well, anyway, then I asked him, I said, well, what do they do in the churches? What are they supposed to do? And he didn't know. So God began teaching me. He took me to all these scriptures in the Old Testament to teach me what prophets do. And then he taught me what apostles do. And one morning, one Sunday morning at church, Robert Tilton from the pulpit just started talking about me. And he said, Joan is not a teacher. She is a prophetess. Our Bible teacher said, that's it. That's what she is. Because many times he had started to say that I was a teacher. And every time he said that he started to say that, there was a check in his spirit. And he would back off. But it was because I was a prophet. Also apostle, but Bob didn't say that. But God told me that. And the work I do is constantly apostle prophet. Constantly. If any of you have been around and listened to this work that I do, you will hear me talk about divorce remarriage. You will hear me talk about homosexual lesbians. You will hear me talk about church doctrine. That's because I'm an apostle. And trying to bring you back to the church doctrine of the Bible. You will also hear me bring correction. Prophet. So we just go on doing the work regardless. Now evangelist, pastor, teacher most churches have that. Church of Christ doesn't even have an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher. They teach that you shouldn't be called a pastor. I don't know why but that's what they teach. Ephesians chapter 4 clearly says, after Jesus arose, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. And for some reason, someone set up a doctrine in the Church of Christ denomination where there are no pastors. Once I visited a little Church of Christ and it was a Bible class, and we were free to speak. Pastor was teaching the Bible class, and I kept saying something about pastor, such and such, addressing him in a proper way. He finally stopped me and said, I'm not a pastor. And I said, you're not? Well, then what are you? And he said, we're simply called ministers. We don't call our preachers pastor." And I remembered their doctrine from long ago. I have no idea why they came up with this strange doctrine. But there are all kinds of strange doctrines in churches which deny the Bible. Ephesians 4, He gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. By the church of Christ saying we are called ministers, we are not called pastor. They deny the Bible, which they profess to be the only church that preaches the Bible. At least they did in the 1950s. They may have changed from that doctrine. But these churches change their doctrine. You can't trust their doctrine. The only way you can trust the doctrine is to find it in the Bible and hold on to the Bible. Because they come along and change doctrine. God does not change. At the judgment seat of Christ we will all be judged by the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. The word of God. And we have Bibles. We can examine the Bible and find out what we should be doing. When we want to we can pray and ask God to show us what we should be doing when we want to know what God thinks. The key is wanting to know what God has to say. And if you want to know what God has to say, ask God and then read the New Testament Bible. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.